Thank you for tuning in to Wove Inspiration Podcast with host Althea Richardson. Wove stands for Women of Vision and Excellence, and the mission is to inspire, encourage, and uplift women and the men who love them to becoming all they were predestined to be. And it starts with restoration. Cindy, she is a licensed independent social worker and a master's in clinical social work and she is a fierce supporter and advocate of women. Cindy's passion is to help women break out of their past pain patterns and to see who they are in the fullness of their personal greatness and light through her private practice, digital courses, and book. And she is the author of You're Not Broken, Shifting from Fear and Anxiety to strength and empowerment. Cindy, thank you so much for being on Wove Inspiration. Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So, Cindy, can you give the audience just a little bit more background about what you do and a little bit about yourself? I am married to my husband, Steve. I live in Cincinnati and I have three grown children, two of which are married, and I have four little grandbabies. <laughs> And I have a private practice uh, here in Cincinnati, and um, I just love working with women, and I love having my own life. (laughs) Awesome. How how long have you been in private practice? Only for about 12 years so far. Okay. Only? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Only for about 12 years. Okay. Well, I was one of those late bloomers that went to college in their late 30s, so... I totally get that for real. That yeah. that's pretty much my story as well. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think I, no. I take that back. I'm really a late bloomer. I went back to school when I was in my 40s. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I tell people all the time, you don't have to hate your work. You can do anything. <laughs> exactly. And there really there is no specific time for you to go back to school if you're led to go back just just do it don't hesitate whatsoever now what i always like to ask my guests because of the content that i love to share about on wove inspiration is what inspired you to do what you're doing now the thing that inspired me would be i'm uh, i'm a very spiritual person i grew up in the church but I think that I was led to college or I was led to therapy at the age of 28, 29, because I was just miserable. Like if you were to see me out in public, I had my three little kids and I was married and I looked happy and um, people liked me, but I ended up on my couch with anxiety and depression and I had no idea why. And I was like, I can't, I felt like a fake in some ways, like, because I would go present myself, but then I would come home and just be like, what is the point? What is the purpose of life? And it was my depression, anxiety that took me into therapy. And I met this amazing woman, my therapist. And, you know, from there, I started to grow so much. Yeah, Yeah. that's, that's amazing. Now. Why did you decide at age 37 to go through seven years of college (laughs) and supervision to become a licensed therapist? Well, it was, it was kind of a dream 
starting around 32 because I had been in therapy and I worked through my trauma and I learned how to set boundaries and I got off that couch. I realized that my anxiety and my depression was actually a messenger saying, Cindy, this is not the life you want to live. You are, you have no boundaries. You say yes to everybody except yourself. And you're mad at them because you said yes to them, but it's really you. (laughs) Like you're not a victim. You, you need to learn how to say no and set boundaries and and start to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just the experience of going from the couch and the anxiety and depression to feeling empowered and feeling like I finally had strength and I wasn't living in fear every day and I wasn't being fake. I thought, Oh my gosh, like I want to, I want to pay this forward. You know, if I can do this, if my life can change this much and I can heal from that, you know, I have, a, I have, I had secret past also, you know, I had childhood sexual abuse and a sexual assault as a teenager, and I had healed from that. I didn't think I ever would. Yeah. You know, I didn't think I ever would because it was just like a stain on me, and it was like a, like I felt like damaged goods, and I felt like it was my fault. And then to learn that, no, it wasn't my fault, mm-hmm. and I'm not damaged. I can go on, and I can be a productive adult. And so I just wanted to pay it forward. And I kept saying to myself, I just want to be a therapist. I want to be a therapist, you know, and everybody around me was like, that's a lot of school. You have three kids. And they were, you know, in junior high and high school by then. Yeah. And I was like, I just know that I'm supposed to do this. So I don't care what it takes. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be in debt and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go to school. Dang it. <laughs> Girl, when you said debt, I, 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 I yeah. totally relate to you. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, even prior to us, when we were having the conversation prior to us starting, and I mentioned that I was in my 40s when I decided to, and I had yeah. two, I have two children, but they were in elementary school at that time. And That's then you hard. have a family to take care of. So how were you able to function with all of the <laughs> that you had to go through? Because I know even with just the supervision alone, I don't know what it is for you where you are but I believe it's like 3,500 hours here in Texas. Yeah. And that's why I decided not to go for a license. <laughs> because <laughs> I just did not have that kind of time. So how were you able to do all of that? I'm trying to think back. I had, well, let's see. When I was in my senior year of the bachelor's program, I had to do supervision for two days a week. So I had school two days a week, and then I had supervision two days a week. And thankfully, all of my kids were in school, and they were a little bit older. So the high schoolers could pick up the junior hires and, you know, take care of each other. Um, But the school I went to, I went to the College of Mount St. Joseph here in Cincinnati. It's really geared toward adults as far as, like, I was finished every day by, like, three, or I could do, like, evening classes, which was perfect. Because if I needed to pick the kids up, I could. Yeah. And then the supervision for my master's program, that was, that was kick butt. That was every day, every single day. So it was almost like I was a mom with a full-time job, you know, and, you know, I had my husband to, to help me, 
Yeah. Yeah. That, so that's a lot. It was tough though. It was tough. <laughs> I imagine so, but um here you I are. I was determined, today. man. I was just yeah. And that and that's the key right there, the determination to accomplish and do what you've been called to do because of the vision and and the heart that you that you have for women. And so yeah. that that's phenomenal. I really I really commend you for that. And so Thank you. you you are also an author and the name of your book is called You're Not Broken: Shifting from Anxiety and Fear to Strength and Empowerment. What was your intent behind this book? My intent with this book was to tell my story and also a couple of my clients because in the beginning it was interesting. I would tell my clients like I'm I'm I want to write a book and they would say, "Oh, you have to write a book." Because in my therapy experience as a therapist, I kind of feel like, and as a woman, I feel like, yes, I do have the professional training and I do have the techniques and I do have all the theories and I could sit here and do this with my clients. But I've always felt deep down, like my story was one of the things that was going to help them the most. And my clients were telling me like, oh, when you tell me that you were where I am, it helps me so much. And so they encouraged me. And so a couple of my clients are in the book, of course, under, you know, yeah. alias names. But, right, right. but I just wanted to give women hope that if you have any of this big T trauma in your past, or even if you don't, you can be a woman who takes her power back. And, you know, brings back all of her energy from her life and starts to take care of herself and love herself, then we are better able to even love other people. Yes, very much so. Earlier in my life, what I thought was I have to put myself on the back burner and go love all these people and take care of them, right? And fix them and, or whatever they needed. And then I learned, wait a minute, I think it was Brene Brown who said, I read in one of her books. You have to love yourself before you can love other people. And I was like, Brene, that's not true. Because <laughs> I know I loved my kids before I loved myself. <laughs> but she was right. She right. was right. Because the more I learned how to love me, the better able I was to love other people. Yeah. Exactly. Because it was more genuine. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes perfect sense. And one of the things that you mentioned is the fact that you share some of your experience with your clients. Now, from what I was taught, that was like a no, you don't you yeah. don't share anything about yourself because the whole thing is pretty much for some of the people that I worked with is you 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 just you just don't do that at all. Yeah. Different therapists that I worked with at a uh, clinic here in in Houston, they don't do that. It's all yeah. book knowledge, clinical in the story. Well, and that has a lot of, and that's a lot of what I do, right? The book knowledge in the clinical definitely has its place. Absolutely. But, but so does our own story and our own heart, mm -hmm. you know? And for me, I saw all my clients' faces in their eyes. When I would share a little, little tiny piece about myself, that's when they were like, tuned in, man. Like, yeah. tell me more, tell me more. Yeah, definitely. Only because it's like, how are we able to be effective as as a counselor, as a therapist, and basically even being able to 
grab the the trust of the client. If yeah. we're not willing to be transparent in front of them, then why would they want to be transparent before us? And so I, hey, I I'm agree. a firm believer of that. I, I'm also a, a counselor as well at a yeah. pregnancy center, and I'm all about wow. being transparent. I have to be because yeah. a lot of them they will not trust me. They have and they have to feel like they're safe where they are and sharing. I agree with you, and people need to know that. You know, they don't need our knowledge as much as they need to know we've been there. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. So what would you say to someone, young woman comes in, she was raped, sexually assaulted. What words can you share with them that would let them know, yeah, this has happened to you, but there is the ability to overcome? How, how would you be able to help that woman? I think I would start with, None of this is your fault. I don't care what, you know, society puts a lot of garbage on us women when it comes to sexual assault. Like, what were you wearing? What were you saying? Were you drinking? All of it. And it's like, I do not care. You are not responsible. If you said no, you know, maybe you couldn't even say no. It's still not your fault. Because I feel like we focus more on women in this area rather than men. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like the men need the education, you know, not the women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, I would, I would start with that because I think that was the biggest thing for me is I felt like I had allowed this. I had caused this. It was my fault somehow. And I was damaged goods and I was weak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I totally agree that men do, especially in like police officers. Period. Let's just start right there. (laughs) At least men that are in that people that men that are in that field, they really need the education because and and also some of the people that are on in the justice system. They really need to be educated on on that part as far as you can't go based on what person somebody's wearing to determine, oh well, (gasps) you know, this is the reason why this happened. Or she was intoxicated and, you know, no, none of that applies. The Mm-mm. fact remains is that it happened and it wasn't supposed to be. Right. Yeah, period. There was no consent there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's madness that's what we deal with. But yeah, nevertheless, <laughs> education definitely is, is key. So, so um, yeah, I would start with it's not your fault. Yeah. And then, you know, it depends on how recent the assault or rape was. You know, they may have to go through. Some people heal through processing, through talking, and some people don't. So I'd have to determine, you know, is she comfortable with this, you know, with talking about this? I had one client that had a really bad rape situation, and I sent her to the PTSD clinic up at University of Cincinnati because... I could tell like we weren't getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I thought there's people smarter than me. This is, this is a serious case. And this, you know, sometimes it just isn't going to work, but then but for most of them, when they know it's not their fault. And then I tell them I've been there and I've healed. It gives them hope. And also I think a lot of us get PTSD mm-hmm. from this, from these situations. And I think that there's a mindset that thinks that, Oh, you have to go over to war to get 
PTSD. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, no, that's completely changed, especially, mm-hmm. I believe, with the um, APA. They finally mm-hmm. got it to where, no, it's not shell shock. That No. I mean, it's in that category, but it's no longer shell shock. It is definitely PTSD for sure. Yeah, they've done uh, the brain scans. And the same part in the brain is affected in people who go through abuse, any kind of abuse. Right. And veterans that have been through war. Definitely. Would you talk about how a child who experiences trauma and ends up with PTSD, how can they go on with a normal life? You know, for me, I remember, I didn't know I had PTSD before therapy, right? So here I am overreacting to things like something at a two, I would go to a 10. Somebody would knock on my front door. I'd be like, if my husband weren't home and I didn't know why I was this way. And I, I kind of shamed myself in a way, like what is wrong with me? Why can't I be calm and normal and not be so afraid? Well, (laughs) because my nervous system was all out of whack from the trauma. But once I did my therapy, you know, I started to get my nervous system back in place and back to a calm place to where, you know, somebody knocks on the door today. I'm totally normal with it. Yeah. So I guess, you know, what, what I needed to hear is what I feel maybe they would need to hear is that this can be healed. You do not, this is not a life sentence. You can do your work and you're going to have to do your work. It's not, you know, it's not going to take two weeks. It's, it's work. Mm -hmm. It it took me a couple of years and you can be healed of it. You can be free of it. Absolutely. And I know that you've already mentioned that, you know, part of your therapy, as far as helping the women is that you, you use some of your story. Is there any other particular methods that you use in your practice? Yeah, I use um, some CBT is important. And I'm, there is a, I think it's called family systems theory, where you go back and you work with your inner children, because they're all there and they all have their experience and their memories. And you work with them and you begin to love them and take care of them and have compassion for them. Mm -hmm. And that heals too. And so I work a lot with that these days. Mm -hmm. And is there any, I, any ideal client that you work with? I know, I mean, of course you work with women, but is there any ideal client that you specialize in working with? You know, most of the women that come to me, it's interesting. They'll come in with something like anxiety or depression. And, you know, on a rare occasion, there will be someone who maybe needs to go to the doctor and get medication. It's like a chemical um, disorder, right? But for the most part, I find that people that present with anxiety or depression, once we start to work together and they start to build, you know, their self-esteem and confidence, all that stuff disappears. It's almost like I've said it before, like, I feel like in some cases, anxiety and depression are messengers. I know in my case, it was, it was saying, you know, Cindy, you've got to stop. You've got to start setting boundaries. And you've got to take care of yourself. And that meant going to therapy and caring for me, taking a break from regular life and and focusing on my healing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
What suggestions can you offer women who may be hesitant about seeking therapy? Because a lot of times there are some women that feel like, no, I don't want to share anything with somebody that I don't know, (laughs) first and foremost, or they're too afraid to even talk about it again, or even talk about it, period. So what suggestions can you offer to women that really need to seek therapy, but are really hesitant? I would say to them, it's very important that you realize that when you call a therapist, you are interviewing them. They're not interviewing you. You ask, you make yourself a list of questions. You know, how do you do this? What do you like? What therapy have you done in your life? And when you're on the phone, you can kind of get, and most, most therapists will give you a 15-minute free consultation or 30, and you'll get a feel for this person. And if it doesn't feel good, no, don't go on to the next one. Because there will come a place where you will meet with a therapist and you will be like, I feel like I'm home. Yes. She's, she's warm and I, I feel her. I can. And then it takes, you know, a couple of meetings, I think, to build that trust. Because is she, is she like this all the time or is she just acting, right? right. <laughs> you know? So the main thing, I think that people call therapists and think, oh, they're these educated people who can read me and, you know, they're interviewing me and they're kind of in the power position, which is true that they are in in a power position, but you are in a power position when you call because you are interviewing. You are seeing where this therapist is coming from. You are seeing what kind of person they are. You're feeling their energy when you're on the call with them. And you'll know and don't settle. You know, it's like dating. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. If there's a red flag, listen to it. Yeah. Go with your gut. But another thing I would say to them too is my first therapy session, I was sitting in the waiting room thinking to myself, why did I do this? How can I get out of here? <laughs> I was scared to death. But I went in and I happened to get, you know, my first one. She was just the warmest, you know, she was kind of like a mom that I didn't have, you know, she, she just listened to me and, and cared for me. I could tell, I could feel it coming from her. So I would say everybody's scared. Don't, don't think you're abnormal for being afraid, but also make sure it's somebody you fit with. Definitely. Gotta have the same kind of energy, something. Yeah. Something has to feel good there. And the red flags, move on. Absolutely. Cindy, how can people get in contact with you for your services? And do you do any speaking engagements? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm open to that. Yeah, I've done a few things. And I, I'm on Instagram at Cindy Jesse online coach. Uh, You can go to my website, cindyjesse.com. I also have cindyjessecourses.com. And I can give you my email. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And yeah, I'm going to have all that information on the show notes because I really believe that people need to reach out to you, specifically women. I'm actually, I'm really glad that we have connected because would love to be able to use you as a resource as well. Well, I so appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. Do you have any last words for our listening audience? I do. No matter what you've been through, no matter what your past is, no matter how damaged you feel, 
there is hope. And, you know, like I talk about in my book, like I was down and out. I was, I was in a place where I was, I didn't want to hurt myself, but I remember saying, God, if I die in a car wreck, I won't have to deal with this anymore. That's where I was. And now, you know, after doing my work, I mean, I love my life. I love my life. (laughs) And I mean that. And, you know, I'm creating new courses and creating things all the time because I believe this works. Yeah, it definitely does. And because you have a passion for women and you're wanting to help them unhurt, that's what makes the big difference. Cindy, Mm -hmm. I am so grateful and thankful to be able to meet you today. Thank you so much for sharing such a lot of great information. Thank you, Aletha. I feel such a connection with you. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, you guys, this is Althea with Wove Inspiration Podcast. You guys have an awesome day. Take care. God bless. Hey, this is Althea, host and producer of Wove Inspiration Podcast. Wove Inspiration features women and the men who love them who use their voice to share their stories of overcoming obstacles in life. Everyone has a story, some good, some not so good. The common factors for guests on Wove Inspiration are their solutions and their victorious endings. You can follow us and leave a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Wove Inspiration. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you listen to podcasts.